Greetings, listeners. This is Stephanie, and I know it's been a while since I've been with you, but I have been having an educational adventure of my own with leaving the classroom and starting as a professional development specialist with a private company. But I really just wanted to take this opportunity to welcome you all back. And I thought that a lot of my teaching friends are really... um, feeling down in the dumps. They feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. There's a lot of struggles with classroom management and with support from administration and in districts across the country, bus drivers are, um, there's a shortage of them. There's a shortage of substitutes. There's a shortage of uh, just teachers in general. And so teachers are busy planning their own lessons and being with their own students in class, and then oftentimes pulling double duty and covering other classes or planning for other teachers or really just trying to fill in. And so I know that there are some amazing teachers out there and they are going to work every day and they are impacting the lives and the future of children in ways that they could never imagine. And so I wanna start a new series and I wanna talk about teachers that inspired us and then students that inspired us to remain in education, like the whole reason why we're doing it. And so I wanted to start with sort of a homage to the teacher that I had in high school that really led me to become a teacher. I had honestly always been really good at school, but I never wanted to ever be a teacher. I wanted to either be the first female president of the United States, as I proudly said in my yearbook for elementary school, Or I really thought that I wanted to be an attorney. I had always enjoyed watching criminal justice cases. My parents always told me that I talked enough, that I needed to find a profession where I would be paid to speak. And on top of that, I was really good at arguing. You know, my parents would say something and I would always have a comeback or a question or a way around. You know, I would try to find a way around, above, under, through. And so I really thought that being an attorney was my calling. And I'll never forget, I was a junior in high school. And for some reason, I had been absent from one of my science classes. I don't know if I had been sick or if I had been on a field trip or what it was, but I had missed a test. And so it was a very small private Catholic school. And in those days, um, it was kind of okay for students to be left alone in a room unsupervised. And so I went and the teacher's name was Dr. Pierre Shimonga, and I'll never forget it. He was my freshman year physical science teacher and my junior year chemistry teacher when I was a student at the Institute of Notre Dame in Baltimore, Maryland. And he had learned English from learning French and he had learned Latin from French because he was a native of Zaire. And so he had this wonderful accent and he would always translate words back and forth. And he was just really a fascinating guy. Like his life story was really interesting. Um, He was the teacher that called me the black hole because during our one science class, uh, he could detect that there were students talking and people that know me know that I tend to be really loud and so he called me the black hole and so he moved me away from my friends and I remember being really really upset you know I I don't know anyone who would be upset but I will say I earned that moniker I was often passing notes or trying to get people's attention just because I was usually done pretty quickly and I also learned through speaking and so I'd be trying to ask questions about what we were doing or you know Whatever it was, I I was not an innocent angel. I definitely was a talker. And so 
he moved me and I can't remember how long it was, but it was within a couple weeks. He sort of said to me in front of the whole class, you know, Stephanie, I need to apologize to you because I moved you and they're still talking in that part of the room. And so maybe you aren't the black hole. I really think that it's somebody else and I'm not going to name who it was, but I knew exactly who it was. And so I, I definitely forgave him for that. But that's what I mean when I said he was really interesting in that um, if he made a mistake, he would often do it publicly, but then he would also own it publicly. And so I really respected him for that. I also really respected him because he could tell us junior year when he had taught the lesson that was the prerequisite skill for what you were learning and what page in our freshman year textbook. And I just really, I was sort of completely confounded by his ability to do all that. And so the reason I say that is I'd always really respected him and I really thought he was intelligent. And so I'll never forget, he was setting me up to do this this assignment. And at some point he said to me, you know, my junior year, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, well, I want to be an attorney. And he looked at me and he sat down and he pulled the stool out and I'm supposed to be taking a test. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, and, and this is an apology to all lawyers because I don't have this opinion. But he said, you need to use your power for good, not evil. You need to use your ability and you need to either become a doctor or become a teacher. You, you should not become an attorney. And I remember I just sort of looked at him and this was the first time that someone had ever said to me, you know, you'd be really good as a teacher or you'd be really good as an educator. And I was like, mm, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that I know what I want to do. Because I can also remember being really intimidated by teachers thinking, how do they know all the answers? Like, how do they plan these lessons? And, and I'd have a really cool English lesson or a Spanish lesson or a math lesson and just be sort of blown away by the way the teacher had command of the room and how they presented all of the information. And, and so I was really, I was to use a word that I didn't know at the time, but I knew now I was gobsmacked. And I can remember, you know, my class was going on. Like they, there were students, I don't know if they were doing a lab or if they were doing whatever it was, but I was, you know, in the small room right across the hall, but he sat down with me and really had this in-depth conversation that I needed to take what I had to offer the world and become a teacher. And I will say that that was really the first time that it ever even occurred to me and it planted a seed. I didn't realize it at the time, but it definitely planted a seed and, um, I really do credit, you know, two men with me becoming a teacher, my science teacher in high school, and then my father, who, when I was attending an all-girls liberal arts college, and I declared that my major was going to be English, he said, and what else? I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, accounting majors become accountants, and pre-law majors become lawyers. What do English majors become other than English? And you're already English. You speak English. You what are you going to do? I thought... I have no idea. He's like, you only have four years in college. You need to get this together. You should think about becoming a teacher. So I thought, you know, I'm going to take an education course. Winter room is coming up. It's this, this small mini session in between the freshman, I mean, the, the fall and the spring semester. And I remember taking an education course and being like, oh my God, I found my people. This is where I want to be. This is where I belong. Oh my goodness. And so from that moment on, I was sort of hooked with education. Um, and so really, 
I was late to the game. I had some friends who've known forever that they wanted to be teachers, especially elementary teachers. All my friends that were elementary teachers, like you had to take some serious coursework in college and they were regimented. They had very few time for electives. They had to take science and math and history because elementary teachers teach everything. Well, as a secondary teacher, I was able to get my degree in English with my minor in teaching. So I was late to the game and luckily it worked out for me. Um, and so that's how I became a teacher and I loved it. I was a classroom teacher for 23 years. And even in my current position, I am in schools on a regular basis, working with teachers, working with student achievement, helping them figure out how to use resources. And so I've been blessed with the ability to be influenced to become a teacher. So now that I talked a little bit about why I became a teacher, um, I want to talk about why I stayed a teacher because I'm not going to lie, there were times, especially during really tough years, um, the first year that you're a teacher, it's, it's really difficult. You seem to catch every germ that comes down the pike and you're overwhelmed with how do I make these children listen to me? And I was 21 teaching 18 year olds. Um, and then I really find that anytime you change either schools or grade levels or contents, there's a real struggle in terms of learning the curriculum and trying to make the curriculum accessible and learning the students. And, and if you switch schools, like what are the systems that this school has in place that's different from my other schools? And what's the culture like? And how do I get to know people? And, and just things from like, how are the mailboxes set up to who do I go to to get uh, supplies or do we have team meetings? Where do we meet? You know, all of these questions. And so I had a lot of transitions in my career and that was definitely, um, stressful. I, I thrive on change, but I didn't enjoy that. But I'll never forget, um, my maiden name, my first year was at a public school on the complete other side of the County. And I had to get up really early in the morning to go. And my maiden name was Horva. And to me, it was innocuous. You know, nobody had ever, 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 ever said anything um, about my name. But within, I would say, the first 72 hours of teaching 10th grade at a high school in Baltimore County, I had students, and I'll never forget, there were two in the same class. One was an identical twin and one was his friend. They would call me Miss Horv. And they would absolutely elongate the first syllable. And I remember, like, the inner dialogue of don't make a face, don't have a reaction, because that's exactly what they want. And I remember I turned around and I said to them, really, guys, like, I haven't heard that a million times before. And they say you really shouldn't use sarcasm with students, but these were students, they were in the 10th grade, they were 16, and they got it. And I could just tell that it was... Like, their reaction was they were fine. They were a tough class. Um, and so, you know, there were lots of phone calls home, and I was trying to give detentions, and I was trying to make lessons engaging. But I'll never forget, at one point, there were some students in the hallway that had been giving me a hard time. Because it also was that if students didn't know you and you had to cover a class and be a substitute, or if you had cafeteria or hall duty and they didn't know you and you didn't know their name, you could pretty much stick your finger up your nose, dance a jig, and they would ignore you. Or they would tell you where you, that you could go fuck yourself or just 
what you could do with various body parts and that was it and I'll never forget I was on my way down to cafeteria duty and someone one of the students was either wearing a hat or behaving inappropriately or, or done something in the hallway that you know I was trying to get them to stop whatever it was that they were doing um if it was something small I'm not gonna lie my first year I would try to ignore it but if it was egregious I'm like I really have to to say something and this kid wouldn't stop and around the corner came two of the students from that class that I was talking about and they pretty much told him hey you need to leave her alone like she's our teacher you need to stop you need to stop bothering her you need to do what you're doing and I thanked him and I was like what are you guys doing I'm like I kind of had it they're like you're our teacher like we're allowed to bug you but not anybody else and I'll never forget I started laughing it was like So apparently I am on the good side of these children, which is good. Their behavior never improved in my classroom. They continue to talk. They continue to be disrespectful in terms of calling out or having to be reminded not to use profanity or not doing their homework or or typical teenage things. But I really, it warmed my heart from that day on that they considered me theirs and I was part of their little educational group. And that really my first year, um, that was a pivotal moment because it really did let me know that I was successful on some level. They might not be learning how to conjugate verbs. They might not be learning pronoun, noun, antecedents. When we were reading, they might not be remembering what theme was or what the, di- the difference between direct and indirect characterization was, but somehow, some way, somewhere, I had made an impact and I had built enough of a relationship with them that they wanted to be the only ones that were entitled to harass me or bug me or get on my nerves or call me Miss Horvath or whatever it happened to be. And so um, it was someone from that same class years later. I actually have a very distinct sneeze and anyone who knows me in real life knows that like it's loud and it's outstanding and I was at a Target across the county. And I was with my mother shoe shopping and I was married by that point to my first husband and I sneezed and I heard a female say, oh my God, it's Miss Horvath. And I started laughing and my mom was like, what is happening? And around the corner came a girl. Well, she was a woman by then. It had been about 10 years since I taught her. She was in her mid to late twenties and she hugged me and she's like, as soon as I heard your sneeze, I knew that it was you. And so that was another moment where it really hit me that even though that first year was really a struggle and it was exhausting having to get up that early to drive around the county and and to grade and to try to do all of those things I knew that I had had an impact and so for a long time it was chance encounters like that it wasn't gifts at the holiday it wasn't notes or anything huge it was just these little moments of recognition for what I was doing and the relationship that I had that really kept me for a really long time in the classroom. And um, I'm really curious to find out, anyone who's listening to this, what are those moments that keep you in the classroom? What are those memories that you had that are like, yes, this is why I'm here. These are my people. These are my children. So drop a note, let me know. And to all the teachers out there, as always, thank you so much for everything that you do.